Hi guys, welcome back to Vibing in Valentino. If you guys are new to the podcast, then welcome. My name is Nicole and I am so happy you found us. Um, if you guys are returning, then welcome back. Okay, so solo episode today and I'm bringing back the I read so you don't have to segment of the show and it's been a long time coming because the last one I did was (laughs) last season and I've just had you know so many amazing guests on and so many topics that I wanted to talk about solo that this kind of just got pushed back all the way until the end of season two but I am so excited okay if you guys hear farting noises it's honestly because I'm sitting on like this leather office chair and every time I move it makes like a farting noise so that's not me farting it's leather okay but anyway this is a hefty I read so you don't have to book because it's like one of my favorite books ever and it's not like a play play book like this is a dead serious book and it's all about manipulation and dark psychology and we're gonna get into it but i've decided to break it up into two parts so this is part one and then part two will be the next solo episode which will be coming not next week but the week after before we get into me breaking down art of seduction manipulation tactics for you guys I just want to remind you that if you guys want to purchase my eight-week workout program, Vibing Strong, a Vibing Co. goodie bag, which contains super heavy booty band and two core sliders, all in a cute pink mesh bag, and it also comes with two workout videos so you guys can follow along to target your entire body. That is a digital download. It will be sent directly to your email. Or if you guys just want to book a one-hour chat with me, you guys can do that all on my website, vibinginvalentino.com. With all that being said, let's get right into the art of seduction. Okay, so the art of seduction is one of those books that is a must-read if you are into psychology and manipulation tactics it's one of my favorite books ever and i have always been really fascinated by dark psychology and the concept of i don't know i guess influence and power and control over other people and so my ebook copy is heavily annotated like highlight after highlight and i actually feel like this book doesn't apply to just dating, it could apply to all human interactions. Like seduction does not have to mean strictly dating and sexual seduction, you know? Like a lot of examples referenced in the book, it's like politics is part of seduction. Like the leader or whoever wants to be elected as leader has to seduce essentially the entire nation. So it's not just a one-on-one type of situation that this applies to. So. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to summarize the entire book up for you guys in the most concise way possible, and I have divided it into sections just like the book parts one and two, and I'm going to summarize it chapter by chapter. But because this book is so fucking dense and there's so much information, I'm just going to do this in two parts so the episode isn't so long because I feel like you guys get sick of hearing me talk and I get a little bit sick of talking so much i get like dry mouth and i get all like weird and spitty so this week is part one and the next solo episode will be part two 
Okay, so part one is titled The Seductive Character. So this is where you figure out what kind of seducer you are. And this kind of seductive quality that we all have, this comes from a certain quality in our personalities and in our like DNA. It's in how we carry ourselves. And I feel like every one of us will fall into one of these characters because unlike popular opinion, you know, people think that you have to look a certain way to be seductive. You have to fall into a certain kind of mold to be seductive, and you don't. It's really more of a personality trait than anything else. So even if you're the ugliest person on earth, there is something about you that is seductive to other people. So if you figure out what kind of character you are, embrace it. According to Robert Greene, the author, there are nine seducer types. The first type is called the siren. Your Marilyn Monroe's, your Kim Kardashian's, I'm guessing, would be the closest thing to modern day siren. This offers the counterpart. The counterpart are the other person. I'm going to use that term interchangeably. The book actually calls them the victim of seduction, but it offers the other person a total fantasy, like an escape from everyday life. The author uses she exclusively in this chapter to refer to the siren so i feel like some of the characters are gender specific and this in particular is a female character she is super sexual this has nothing to do with looks the author specifically specifies that this has nothing to do with looks it deals with having the ability to distract a man or you know in modern day another woman i'll just say the victim with theatrics, quote unquote. So the example Green, the author gave, was Cleopatra, who really changed up her look super frequently, but she never deviated from her goddess-like qualities in how she walked and talked. So you can change up how you dress, how you do your hair, how do you do your makeup. That's the examples that he gave with Cleopatra, but she never deviated from you know, how she carried herself. She remained true to herself in that sense. He also gave the example of Marilyn Monroe, who exaggerated her appearance and how she walks and talks to reflect heightened sexuality and femininity. Again, the theatrics. What this character, the siren character, thrives on is the fact that men will do anything to feel danger, excitement, and thrills in his life. So think about it. Men are really hunters like back in the day right like back back in the day they were the ones that were like chasing down like lions tigers bears and now they are confined to like <laughs> dealing with a shitty boss or you know like who's going to get the promotion first him or his co-worker so everything has become so boring in how men live their life that anything out of the ordinary anything that is not routine will usually bring him a sense of excitement, a sense of danger, a sense of thrill, a sense of newness. And this usually works really well on super rigid, super masculine guys. So like the soldiers or, you know, the army guys or the nine to five guys that lead boring lives with boring jobs because their lives lack excitement. The more I talk about it, I feel like the siren is a little bit more of like, seemingly like the, t the kind who would not be opposed to being the side chick is how I'm seeing it but that's only because you know they give off a certain sense of novelty 
And if you're going to be the wifey, the way you can apply this is to never let them know what they are going to expect. I feel like the easiest, most literal way I can see this happening is if you role play in bed, that kind of thing. So it's like, you know, embrace different characters, different sides of yourself without losing your true essence is kind of what the siren does. The rake. This is the second type of character, okay? Rake, like R-A-K-E, kind of like the gardening tool. So basically a male siren. They're giving off a fantasy as well, but that fantasy is the most overly fantastical, romantic fantasy that women like to have, like that the guy would go to the ends of the earth type of romance. These are the guys that will pursue you endlessly because that's the distraction, right? Once a woman believes that a man will do anything for her, she becomes easy to manipulate. So she becomes kind of, um, I would say reckless in a sense because she is like, oh, I can get him to do anything for me. He would never do that to me. He's so in love with me. He would never hurt me. And lo and behold, you're getting played. So that's kind of like the gist of that rake mentality is like where they will do anything to let you believe that they would you know fulfill all your hopes and wishes and dreams and you're actually getting played another characteristic of rakes is that they are experts with language the example that the book gave was some famous writer or poet and it would make a lot of sense right because you read poetry and <laughs> It's like it's telling you a bunch of bullshit. Like, I don't even know what I'm reading about right now. What is the message here? But it makes you feel things. Like, it makes you, it conveys emotion more than information. So, rakes use language more to persuade, flatter, and create emotions. So, anyone that love bombs is 100% a rake. Anybody who sells dreams is 100% a rake like a siren the rake also hints at thrills and danger by providing an escape from reality and the key to rakes is making the woman feel like they're the only one that he loves or makes the woman want to tame him or fix him like a bad reputation the reputation of being a womanizer or the reputation of being a player or a fuck boy is actually kind of a benefit to to a rake because it makes the women that they're going to pursue feel like, oh, maybe I'll be the one to change him. That is actually a very, very common pitfall that us girls fall into when we deal with these guys is thinking that there's something about us, you know, we're special enough to like change his ways. And sometimes it's not completely out of left field. Like it's not like we are just imagining you know, that we are so special. Sometimes it is because they're rakes and they're telling you these fantastical, amazing things and they're, you know, endlessly pursuing you when really it's kind of all just manipulation on their end. So that's the second type. The third type is the ideal lover. So this is the Casanova type. This is the one that will kind of shape shift into whatever character the other person want and need in their life at the moment and this type is quite rare because it takes a lot of effort since you have to focus so intensely on the other person and really study them 
to find out what they're missing and what they're disappointed by in life, what they're longing for, you know, childhood traumas and all this other stuff. To be able to really find out what a person's ideal is and find out what they aspire to be, what characteristics they cherish in themselves and in other people, that's the part that you have to amplify. So you have to amplify the qualities that they love about themselves and then tell them that you see some kind of untapped, infinite potential in them and make them feel like they can take on the fucking world and they'll come back for more. The kind of seducers ideal lovers are, are very, very good at appealing to who the other person wants to be and aspires to be. And that doesn't come from like two or three dates. You know, that comes from really getting to know the other person and really paying attention to not just the things that come out of their mouth, but what's those words that come out of their mouth really mean you know being able to see through a poker face like being able to catch on to the fact that oh if you mention this particular situation if you start talking about you know ages four and five they have a little weird twitch and they you know start to close off there's something there that i can tap into there's something in there that i can poke to make them feel like I get them and only I get them that's kind of the ideal lover and in this day and age honestly that sounds like a lot of effort to just seduce one person especially when things happen at the tap of your finger literally or the swipe of a finger or pressing send in Instagram DMs like this is a lot of effort to go through to just to seduce somebody but this is really the Casanova type this is very like I would almost really fear somebody who like seduces this way because I feel like they really, really mind fuck you when they do this. So that's the third type, the ideal lover. The fourth type, the dandy. They can be feminine men or masculine women. So they kind of play with the concept of traditional masculinity and femininity and they create their own identity out of that. They have an ambiguous presence that can really stir repressed desires out of others. For example, a man can mirror feminine psychology by displaying a lot of attention to his appearance, a lot of attention to detail, and establishing really slightly feminine ways of doing things. He could be a through and through heterosexual straight man but his body and psychology kind of seem like they float somewhere in the middle of male and female. A woman can embody masculinity as well using the same concept. She can dress a little bit more androgynously, which is a little bit more masculine. For example, Zendaya, how she rocks the suits. If you haven't seen her rock a suit, Google Zendaya uh, red carpet suits. She kills a good suit, oh my goodness. This book used characteristics like independence, self-possession, and dismissiveness in women to portray a more masculine woman. Personally, I think that as women, we should always approach men like that a little bit anyway, no matter what, but you know, whatever. Like, I think we should always be a little bit independent, a little bit 
dismissive, especially in the early stages. I think that that's very key to keeping them on their toes, which is a huge part of part two of Art of Seduction, but it also makes them too early on not get too comfortable. And I am by no means a dandy. Like, this is not the character I identify myself with. I feel like we can take a little bit of each character and see what works for us and see what doesn't and kind of mix it all together. But there's going to be one very dominant character that we identify with. I am not a dandy in any way, but I do think that as women in modern day dating, we should always keep a sense of independence and dismissiveness when we interact with men, especially in the early stages. The appeal in dandies is that they really appeal to the narcissistic traits that we all have for our own gender. So why wouldn't we want a person that reflects some of the qualities we love in ourselves in them? So this really applies to traditional heterosexual couples very well. But I think that in same-sex couples, there's always one partner that is a little bit more masculine or feminine than the other person and then this also works in the same way like we you know we see characteristics in our own gender that we identify with in them and that kind of strengthens the bond and that's the appeal that's the appeal of seduction in dandies the fifth type of seducer is the natural so essentially seducing using childlike qualities or qualities reminiscent of childhood the easiest way to do this is to mentally position yourself as the child or the younger one or the baby this is also much easier to do if you're actually younger than the counterpart so you want to amplify qualities like innocence and weakness to elicit sympathy fearlessness and lightheartedness that you see in children like you know how when you're younger you'll do flips off the bed you won't even care about you know cracking your head open i did that when you get older things like that start to fear you because you know the consequences of it you want to keep that fearlessness and lightheartedness alive you want to maintain qualities like spontaneity and curiosity and you want to appear completely defenseless as we grow older we tend to close ourselves off more and become more defensive and this breaks the spell Retain the openness and receptiveness, or at least appear like you're open and receptive. You can do this by playing up your vulnerability and weakness, ask them for advice, make yourself seem a little bit more clueless than you really are. And it distracts people from seeing that you're actually just manipulating them. You know, when you act a little spoiled, children who have been spoiled with affection when they're younger, they are inherently seductive in a sense that everybody fawns over them for no reason. So they grow up thinking they are so, you know, deserving and entitled of love. And that kind of confidence is not something that is common in, in adults. So you want to embody that kind of confidence. And it may be too late to be spoiled by your parents, but it's never too late to have other people spoil you. The best way to use these strategies is as a supplement to other characters because if you act too childlike all the time, you're going to seem very clingy and a little bit repulsive 
and really annoying you don't want to be straight up just the natural all the time because not a lot of people can deal with that you know not a lot of people can deal with forever you forever acting like a brat you forever acting spoiled you've got to mix in some of these characteristics with other things and this actually works very very well if you are the younger one in the relationship like i tend to be so i remember like i literally one time got into an argument with somebody and sat on the floor and crossed my arms i felt like i also had all the power because he was so much older too and he was you know he was just so used to me acting like a brat that's that's the fifth type of seducer the natural the sixth type the cockats so she is the master of blue balls <laughs> The cockat is usually a woman and they are the ones that give mixed signals for days and makes the other person chase their ass off. The appeal in this is that any victory that is too easy is worthless. If you guys have read uh, Why Men Love Bitches, which is my other Bible, Art of Seduction is one of my two Bibles, Why Men Love Bitches is my other Bible. This is the entire premise that book is based on, is an easy conquest is less valuable than a difficult one. So when you make people think that you're withdrawing attention, they come running. When you play hot and cold correctly, you cannot be afraid that the other person will get mad. So usually why women give in into things that they don't want to do or, you know, why sometimes afraid to play hot and cold or you're afraid to fully commit to playing hot and cold is because you're afraid that the other person will get mad but actually what art of seduction tells you is that them getting mad is a sign you're actually winning the game think about it them getting mad is making them feel when they feel they get more attached and people think being called a tease which is what essentially the cockhead is the tease People think being called a tease is a bad thing, but it's really not. The essence of teasing is to trap people emotionally by keeping them chasing physically. Or maybe emotionally. You know, some guys could just be chasing you um, until you say, I love you, and then they leave. You know, that, that happens all the time. Um, but by keeping people chasing, you're keeping somebody interested. You're keeping them distracted long enough that you know, their emotions start to entrap them naturally. The hardest thing about being a cockat is knowing when to give and when to pull back. You have to give them hope, but never give them the reward, essentially. Or you give them the reward piece by piece. For example, Napoleon. After conquering Italy, he left France knowing that in his absence, it would cause chaos and people would yearn for his return. You know, Mao Zedong, after an exciting public appearance and speech and getting his people all hyped and riled up, he would disappear for days. This whole kind of give and take premise to seduce people does not only have to be one-on-one. -on -one. It could be one person to a mass group of people, like a huge group of people like Napoleon and Mao Zedong, um, but this tactic is really advanced in that it plays with really volatile human emotions that switch from love to hate you know one day they love you and then you're gonna have to make them kind of hate you a little bit 
and once they start to hate you too much you have to do something nice to get them to love you again and then it's just very you know it's like a pendulum swinging so you have to be super strategic you know you can't give too much and you can't take away too much or the enchantment of it all is lost and after some time people also become tired of being led on and toyed with <laughs> you know as they should um, so you have to really kind of get out of them whatever you want whatever it is that you want before they get tired and then they detach themselves guys can be the master of this too but they're not necessarily doing this you know with sex or with physical um, love like women do to men they could be doing this with commitment they can be doing this with attention they can be doing this with all types of you know in all types of other ways it's just when people say you know he's kind of playing me hot and cold he's giving mixed signals this is really the character that they are embracing okay number seven the seventh type of seducer the charmer the charmer gives you all the perks of a relationship without giving you sex so you know the coquette can be nice one day and a bitch the next the charmer is consistent they give you the focused attention the boost of self-esteem the understanding the understanding and empathy whether that's real or fake on their end um, the secret to being a charmer is really to strike at what they have the least control over you know whether that's their ego their vanity their low self-esteem you know whatever it is but you want to maintain subtlety you want to make them the center of attention so you want to listen to them observe what they're saying and then analyze their insecurities so you can tailor your tactics towards them people become addicted to attention and connection and people love to talk about themselves so once you give them an outlet to just endlessly talk about themselves and have them you know throw themselves a pity party and you are their plus one they love it you know they love to see something in themselves in other people they want to see that kind of connection like oh I'm going through this you're going through it too you know what I'm feeling I can express myself to you they love that and that's why sometimes world leaders will do grand gestures of self-sacrifice to show the public that they know what the people are going through they'll shed tears in their speech they'll do really passionate grand gestures and then, as the charmer, you have to take this one step ahead. You have to not only listen to their problems and be able to quote-unquote empathize with their problems, but you also want to distract them from their problems. So be a source of fun and lightness and positivity from whatever they're going through. Even if it doesn't seem like anything to you, fake it. Make it seem like it impacts you just as much as this issue impacts them. The key is to make the other person emotional while you remain detached. This is actually key in every single one of these characteristics, is making the other person feel more than you. You no might not necessarily have to show that you are not feeling anything, but you want them to feel more than you, whatever that means. And you can do this, in this case with a charmer, by not talking too much about yourself. Make them the star of the show. And then keep shit joyful and positive because who doesn't want to be around somebody who is positive and fun and also understands what they're going through, right? Okay, the eighth type of seducer, the charismatic. 
Unlike other seducers, the charismatic is seduction on a mass scale. Barack Obama is one of the most charismatic people ever, and it shows. He is a true charismatic seducer, and that's why the entire world fell in love with him. This energy can be anything from self-belief, serenity, or boldness. We don't really know what it is usually, but it's just some kind of quality that radiates. It's full of energy and desire and appeal. A few things that charismatics have in common, no matter what they are radiating, is purpose, saintliness, eloquence, theatricality, uninhibitedness, and vulnerability. So people need a cause to believe in. That's why cult leaders are seriously some of the most charismatic people. It's because these people, these charismatic seducers, infuse emotion into everything they do to captivate the people. And once you infuse emotion and passion into everything, people have no choice but to really pay attention to you. And once they do that, their emotions start to go with it. And once emotions go with it, once you're making people feel something, you're automatically seducing them. The ninth type of seducer, the star. This is also the last type of seducer. So the star is basically placing yourself on a pedestal as an object of fascination and create a haunting, obsessive effect on people. This type is really difficult, and I don't know too many of these types of people. I feel like these are more so celebrities or maybe like mega influencers that we see that don't really tell us too much about their personal lives, but and they'll put up, you know, those pictures with no captions and get like a bajillion likes. That's kind of the seductive aspect of the star. If you can kind of apply that to real life in the sense that, you know, you don't really know what's going on, but you just know you like to look at them type of feel. So you can do this in real life by making yourself a mix of real and unreal. Etherealize yourself. This tactic will only work if your presence is large in real life. Not large like size, but you have to have a really strong presence. You need to have like a style or a way about you that stands out from everybody else. You want to be vague and dreamlike, but not too distant or absent. You want to be kind of halfway between here and not really here at all. It's kind of weird that I'm saying this because I feel like, am I high talking about the star? I don't know. But it's, it's if you think about it, you know, like the example that I gave you is like, I can't name a mega influencer off the top of my head that does this, but it's like, okay, like suppose this random influencer, hypothetically, you know, her or his handle isn't even their real name. They put up pictures with no captions or very vague captions or just an emoji, but they look really, really fucking good. You know, their pictures are amazing. Sometimes they'll put up relatable content, but you just never know anything personal about them. You don't know their name. You don't know how old they are, what they do for a living. So that's kind of like, you know, here and not here. You want to create a blank slate so that instead of conveying or expressing direct emotion, what you're doing is you're inviting people to draw interpretations. So the examples given in this book is Greta Garbo or JFK, they don't really express emotion outwardly, but 
they express just enough where people are gonna start saying like oh he looks upset here or maybe he looks sad or maybe he looks like he's you know scheming you know things can be interpretations are drawn from what they do they also give the example of count Saint-Germain this French count I guess he spoke many languages but his accent belonged to no single country nobody knew how old he was he was super rich but nobody knew what he did for a living you know he never said yes or no when people asked him questions only said perhaps he would sit down for dinner but he was never seen eating so everything about him was very ambiguous and open to interpretation so the star seduces people by making them want to learn more about them you know making them making people want to figure them out and this can also be done on a mass scale just like the charismatics so yeah those are the nine type of seducers i want to talk also a little bit about the anti-seducers so anti-seducers are what repels people these are the ones that you don't want to be and don't really want to associate with the source of their repellence is usually insecurity lack of self-awareness and lack of subtlety so the first type of anti-seducer and this part is going to go much quicker than the seducer types because this chapter was just much shorter but i'm just going to summarize it up for you very concisely the first type of anti-seducer or human repellent as i like to say the brute so they have no patience they are not concerned with other person's wishes pleasure or desire only theirs and their ego is huge they assume that since the other person is interested there's no reason to wait and being asked to wait or being made to wait makes them feel inferior which will lead to an overreaction this reminds me of really aggressive frat bros the ones that date rape you know women that kind of character is very much the brute the biggest test to see if somebody is a brute make them wait and i have done this before and that's why i don't talk to so many people because you know make them wait one little time they think they're too special to wait they flip out they get a little rude and then a few days later they want to come back and act like you're not supposed to be offended by what the fuck their reaction was so making somebody wait is the best way to see if they're a brute and if they're a brute oh don't even entertain that girl okay number two the second type of anti-seducer suffocators these types will fall in love with you before you're even half aware of their existence it's like the guy on you you know that netflix series you they adore you very quickly but then these intense emotions that they're feeling aren't really related to anything that you've done they are just bottomless pits of need you know they just need to have somebody or they need to feel that affection and need to feel that love because they can't provide that for themselves so they are going to suffocate you very very quickly because they are projecting that kind of lack onto you signs of their suffocator is that they can't disagree with you they are a doormat anything you say goes they had don't seem to have an opinion of their own you want to watch sex in the city marathon until three in the morning instead of the nba finals they say yes babe i love sex in the city whatever you want that gets old quick and that's just not even appealing third type of anti-seducer the moralizer 
these are the ones that want to change you that want to fix you that want to make you a better person as if you can be better right <laughs> and they endlessly criticize and judge and this stems from their own unhappiness so they need to dominate the people around them so if they're constantly trying to change you make you change your ways make you change the true essence of who you are make you change what makes you happy then they are a moralizer if they start to judge you know what you're doing um, what you like to do, your friend group, start to criticize your best friend, they are a moralizer. Number four, nice and concise, the tightwad. Cheapness is gross. People who are cheap are unattractive. Next, number five, the bumbler. Bumblers are self-conscious and they have no sense of timing. So they constantly worry about what they look like, what they're saying. They lack finesse. What's anti-seductive is their worry because that kind of worry is contagious and it gives the other person and the people around them anxiety. And if I hang out with a bumbler, I start to be uncomfortable. Why are you thinking thrice, not twice, but thrice about the next sentence that's about to come out of your mouth that you end up stuttering? Not cute. Should I be aware and hyper aware of what I'm trying to say? to you instead of enjoying our date should i be hyper aware if i'm using the correct grammar is that what we're doing you know that's not mm -mm, not cute number six the sixth type of anti-seducer the windbag they talk way too much and they often talk about themselves this is a deep rooted sign of selfishness they are not going to care what you know how your day went if you got that promotion if sandy from accounting is talking her shit again they are not going to give a fuck because they talk way too much and they keep talking about themselves this usually appears within the first three days i've gone on so many dates with guys who will not stop talking about themselves and it is annoying the seventh type of anti-seducer is the reactor these guys are too sensitive or girls can be girls too they are too sensitive they can't laugh at themselves they have no sense of humor you know i am somebody who talks a lot of shit if you can't take it it's probably not going to go anywhere they are prone to whining and complaining what you can do to see if somebody is a reactor is if you tell a mild joke at their expense and if they lash out at you and they can't laugh at themselves and they just get angry at you they are a reactor you don't ever want to really be in a relationship with somebody who takes themselves that serious you don't ever want to get into a relationship with somebody who takes themselves way too seriously because, listen, in a relationship, everybody has flaws, right? Everybody has something, however minor or major, something that they can improve on for the sake of the other person's happiness. And you don't want to be with a reactor because if you're like, hey, babe, I don't like how, you know, you don't text me good morning. If you criticize somebody... If you criticize them, not even a criticism, but just like expressing your feelings, they react and they get defensive and then they start to maybe flip it back around on you. It ends up being nothing is resolved. Nothing gets better. You still don't get your good morning texts and you're in a fight. It makes for a very volatile relationship. The eighth type of anti-seducer, the last type, are the vulgarians. They lack taste, class, and discretion. So 
they blab they have no sense of timing no sense of social appropriateness they show up to you know a formal dinner with your family in basketball shorts and slides or you know they start talking to your uncle about your sex life this whole kind of character they just lack self-awareness which is repulsive when trying to seduce other people you always want to be very self-aware you always want to be conscious of what you're doing and saying and how you're coming off that is pretty much the entire point of seduction so when somebody lacks that quality it's just automatically a turn off so you want to be subtle and the way that you can get rid of an anti-seducer in your life let's say you were the perfect siren you ended up with a motherfucking tight wad the best way to repel them is to be an anti-seducer yourself so you might want to act like a suffocator or you might want to act like a reactor and they will eventually fall off okay so that was part one you guys of the art of seduction this was a really fun episode part two is coming up very very soon and that's going to be the tactics of seduction so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you guys found this episode helpful useful or entertaining please give me five stars and leave me a nice little review on itunes it'll mean so much to me because it really helps other people find this podcast and we get to expand our community and our tribe of vibing and valentino listeners i appreciate you guys so much for coming to hang out with me this week and i will catch you guys next friday on vibing and valentino